Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this session on uh, Traditions 4 and 10, Group Autonomy. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic and a very, very happy sexaholic. And, and uh, anyway, I'm Mike, a sexaholic and a grateful and recovering sexaholic and a happy sexaholic, as if it didn't pick it up before. It's not a double recording. So, And uh, if you don't believe me, I, I wore my happy shoes today. And they're they're yellow with happy faces on them. Uh, they're pretty worn up. I've had them several years. My grandson found them for me, and he called me on the phone and said, "Grandpa, you got to come down and get them." And I went down there, and he had them hid in the store. The only problem I did, I didn't buy two of them because I can't find any more because these are pretty worn out. But anyway, I really insist on enjoying life, and. Uh, I'm joined by Sylvia. We're going to share our experience, strength, and hope on these two traditions, and then we'll take questions. If you have a, a green card, if you didn't get a green card, write your questions and put them in this happy face bowl, and uh, we'll address your questions or concerns if you choose to put them in there for us. Uh, uh, in the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. Please do not tamper with the recording or the equipment. Let us take a moment of silence and say the serenity prayer to begin. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. The essay purpose, Sexaholics Anonymous, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting to become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for essay membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Uh, we are going to be sharing on Tradition 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or sexaholics anonymous as a whole. Tradition 10, Sexaholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the essay name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Sylvia to share her experience, strength, and hope, and then I'll share for a little bit, and then we'll open for questions. Well, my name is Sylvia, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. My sobriety date's May 10th, 1983, and for that I am never, ever sufficiently grateful. Um, I'm one of these people that didn't work the traditions for many, many, many years, and still I am working on trying to work the traditions. Uh, but um, 4 and 10, I think, are fairly easy ones in terms of the fact that each group should be autonomous, Affecting uh, uh, the, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. In, uh, in in the long form, it says that with respect to our affairs, each group uh, should be responsible to no other group other than its own conscience. But when its plans concern 
other our welfare and other people's welfare, then the common welfare should come first rather than my welfare, which is what I always want to come first. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm that way. Um, traditions are a hard thing, or at least for uh, in our area, people have trouble wanting to work the traditions. They like to work the steps, but they don't want to. They don't want to look at the traditions. They think they're boring. And uh, but then on the other hand, uh, I have had friends and so forth who have talked about working traditions in their marriage. And that can be done. I mean, this one is a good one for uh, a marriage contract, is to be self-supporting through our own contributions. And um, and things that we do uh, should affect the common welfare rather than just mine. I'm not exactly sure. Do we have questions on this of what to... Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you share. I may think of something else in a few minutes, but that's okay. Uh, I'm Mike, a sexaholic, and like I said, I'm a very very happy sexaholic. I'm grateful to uh, be in this program. Uh, it's meant a lot to me over the years, and my sobriety date is October 21st, 1999. And uh, I'm like Sylvia, the traditions, I wasn't very interested in them at first because I was more interested in uh, being recovered and out of here and working the steps. And uh, I got involved in working the traditions after or, or during the latter part of doing the steps and would hear them, I'd hear them at meetings. And I just want to share my experience, strength, and hope with these two traditions because the traditions are very has been very helpful to me in the service structure that I've been involved in over the years, the service structure of SA. Uh, I remember uh, when I was early on in the program, we had a business meeting in my uh, Saturday morning group. And uh, there was about 20, 25 of us there. And I had this wonderful topic. And I today, yes, I can't remember, but it was a great topic for our group to decide on to do the meeting just a little bit different. And uh, and I think it was to stop taking our 10 or 15 minute, 15, 20 minute break in the morning, go outside and just visit and talk about the weather or whatever. And I presented it and through the discussion and voting, the vote was 23 to 1, 23 against it. And, and I was the only one that wanted it. And so the minority opinion got to voice, and I voiced my opinion. And guess what the vote was? It didn't change. <laughs> I was steaming inside. And I'd been in the program long enough that, you know, I agreed not to walk out when things didn't go my way. I wanted to, but as soon as the meeting closed with the serenity prayer, guess who leaves? And... Uh, and I just walk out and I leave and I, I met my therapist, my therapist, I met my sponsor an hour and a half later. And we talked about it and he was in the meeting and he, he said, how do you feel? And I said, I'm angry. They don't see the wisdom in, in having the meetings last longer. We don't need to go outside and just visit. and Because the instruction was to go outside and talk to your sponsor, work on the steps. And my experience hadn't been that. You know, we just sit there and visit and chit-chat, talk about anything but the program sometimes. And <clears throat> I went to the meeting the next week, and when it was time to share, I was one of the first ones to share, and I made my amends to the group that I was very angry and disappointed the way the vote came out. And I said, but the wisdom of the vote and the wisdom of the meeting is I will support it. And once I said that, a calming feeling of spirit came over me because I, I knew that that was the first real experience I had with the tradition of not being right and knowing that it was group conscious. Uh, and uh, I got involved in service uh, locally in my uh, inner group or in my each one of the meetings I would go to. I'd take service positions, 
We would have group conscience meetings, and some were good, some were bad. Most of them were a lot of negative. And I remember when I first came in the program, I got involved. Uh, I came in when we, when the discussion on the Cleveland clarification was going on. And I was very angry about it. Why are we doing this? Why, why, you know, I had a lot of why questions. So I talked to my sponsor and therapist, and they said, my therapist especially says, you can ask why questions. And uh, working with my sponsor and talking to people about it, I just decided, you know what? I need to do what my sponsor says, and he says work on the steps. That's, for me, I needed to accept the program as it was, what it was set up. And, uh, and then I'm in L.A. at a meeting, uh, uh, a business meeting, with a friend of mine. And after the meeting, uh, this guy comes up to me and he said, what's the most important thing that the fellowship needs? And it was Roy Kay. And uh, <laughs> I says, meetings. <laughs> and he's looked at me and he says, what else? And I told him a couple of things and, uh, and he left. You know, he walked away and went and talked to other people. He's asking everybody the same question. And uh, and I'd heard of the name, but I didn't know who it was at first. But I was just honest with him. And through the years, uh, I got to meet the man and have one-on-one meetings with him and go to several meetings with him in his own group. And And one of the things, I got involved in our inner group. And I, I don't know if I was the chair at the time, but I was uh, one of the officers or voting members. And we had an opportunity to support this, uh, what was called the Prostitute Impact Panel for the City of San Diego Attorney's Office. And uh, we brought it up because we decided to write a letter to them about an article that was written about uh, pornography and sex addiction. And we got invited to go to the go to one of the meetings, and we we fought over that in our inner group, discussed it for nine months about what we should write in the letter, and now we debated about the letter. Finally, some wise old soul said, "I guess well, you know what? I will I will finish the letter and I'll have it next month." So we got it. We sent it off and. Then we were invited to attend one of their meetings. So two of our members, we were not, but one of the persons was a therapist. And she was invited to come to it, so she drug her husband with her. And they weren't able to say a word in this meeting, a three-hour meeting. And from that time on, they come back and says, you know, two months later they asked the intergroup of, if we would be willing to pay for some pamphlets to be given out at this meeting. And, uh, in fact, I know I was the chair at the time. And I was so uneasy about the discussion. It really bothered me. Because they didn't want to support it. A lot of people didn't want to support it because it was an outside issue. It was an essay. It was an outside, and I'm thinking, I'm. So I turned to the guy who made it, and I could see he was steaming. And I said, "All right, what is it, what? What are you asking for? How much is it going to cost?" It was like thirty bucks for everything he needed. And and somebody, you know, we, we did this bird walk, and we go around, everybody just voiced their opinions, and the majority of the people didn't want to do it. So I asked him, I says, okay, put the motion on the table. Put the motion on the table, and uh, we had a second, any discussion, and he just kept going and says, all right, now it's time to vote. <laughs> the vote was like 50-50 to support it and not support it. So fortunately, somebody, and, and so somebody voted, changed their vote, and it became, okay, we'll do it. And I was ready to tell this guy, I says, well, I'll pay personally for it out of my own pocket, the 30 bucks. And so we did that, and our intergroup has been paying for the pamphlets ever since, the last seven, eight years for these meetings. And, and now we are welcome to the meeting. We are able to 
share our experience, strength, and hope. And, and what's nice is we're doing tradition four and ten. Are those your copies? You can take them if you want. Uh, so I. I became an, an alternate delegate and a delegate and going to the trustee meetings and going to the uh, delegate meetings. I didn't want to be a delegate because of the discussions. I, I thought they were overstepping their bounds and they were talking about uh, things that shouldn't be, should be going on in the fellowship and should not be going on in the fellowship. But I found in these meetings a spirit greater than myself. I found a cohesiveness and in our inner group. We wanted to tell the inner, uh, some of the meetings how to run their meetings. You've got to have this statement in the state of California. Some crimes are unprosecuted. Don't share about it. If you haven't been prosecuted, don't share about them. And uh, we wanted the inner group. We wanted every meeting to have that. And boy, the discussion on that got ugly. There was people said, well, you can't tell us what to do. And they brought this tradition for up. And so we, wisdom says, we suggest that you do it. And almost every one of our meetings in San Diego now have, it in, have that reading in there. And it, it's just one of those things that the inner group can make suggestions but the each meeting is autonomous. Each individual meeting is autonomous as long as it doesn't affect the fellowship in a negative way. And and we that was one of the things I learned in my group, my inner group, my region. Personal experience with the region is the same thing. We come down with a lot of great ideas, and uh, we had a group that was. Essay, but they were religious too. And uh, I was invited as a delegate to meet with them in their business meeting. So I met with them, and, and I thought I was going to get thrown out because I read this tradition. Because you, I shared with them that if you're an essay meeting, you're not a religious meeting as well. And, and since that time, the majority of their, almost 95% of their meetings, RSA, and they've taken the religious and the connotations and reading the religion aspects of it. And uh, then I became a delegate, and I became uh, the chair of the delegate assembly for four years. And if you've seen the pyramid of service, uh, the trustees and the delegates are the bottom of the pyramid. We we have to answer to the fellowship, and. And we got, uh, and I want to share something about these these traditions. Number one, that we have no opinion on outside issues, and that we uh, each group should be autonomous except matters affecting other groups of sexaholics anonymous. And uh, I have come a long way with accepting the fellowship the way it is, because there are things about it that I don't like, but I love it, and I love it the way it's set up. Uh, and one of the things that came across in our region was there was a group, two or three groups, that wanted to change the sobriety definition. They didn't lock the clarification. And they were going to change it to read such and such. And through prayer and meditation and writing on it and talking to my sponsor, and then because I had a wonderful and a very spiritual relationship with Roy Kay, I personally talked to him several times about it. And and I, I, I come to love this program the way it is. And we responded as a region that it's the wishes of the intellectual trust and the ones who wrote the book that that is not going to change. And it became a debate. And so we stopped it. We as a region, the officers... The delegates chose to stop debating that this is it's not going to change. And for more research, I was working closely with the intellectual trust holders, beginning with Roy Kay and the family. I even read his will, the intellectual trust will, 
And this is the part that really, uh, what I want to say is it was a very spiritual experience for me to, to see and to look at the history that Roy K. helped other help another group start a fellowship because they didn't accept and didn't want to support the sobriety definition the way it is with the clarification. And and I hear people saying that we have, we're talking about it, that's an outside issue. And for me, it's an inside issue because it's who we are. It's our fellowship. And And I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that I want to... Uh, I want lust recovery. In the white book, right at the beginning, it talks about sobriety. It all starts with sobriety, and then it talks about if you do not if if we do if you do not identify with us, then we wish you well. Right in the beginning of the book, and that's why I firmly believe, and I, I spiritually believe that the program is here for a reason. The sobriety definition is there for a reason. And then it's, it's, it's gotten bigger. And that group that uh, uh, wrote us that question, uh, I wish them well. I'm still friends with them. I still love them as members of Sexaholics Anonymous and as human beings. I'm more interested in people finding serenity and sobriety, or not serenity and lust recovery. Because when I can find lust recovery, when I can find lust recovery, I am better off, a lot better off. And, and I've come to not want to change the fellowship uh, from what it started out to be and what it is now. If there's some management problems, uh, like personalities, I want to stay away from them. But uh, one of the things... It helps me to have sobriety. Overcoming lust and temptation, it says, it is the inner disposition of the heart that is the real problem, and the work of recovery continues with all of the attitudes and gaining progressive victory over lust. Uh, And that's one of the tools of the program, accepting the spiritual program as it is. Uh, I know a lot of people don't agree with me on what I just shared about the sobriety definition. And acceptance of it. That's okay for them to share their opinion and strength and hope. But for me, it's an inside issue and it's part of who we are. It's part of our culture. It's part of our recovery. It's part of our program. And it is and very important. But one of the things that I, I know in talking to Roy Kay and other people that have been in the program for many years, it's about lust recovery. Progressive victory over lust day by day. Uh, because I I can't entertain lust in any shape, form, or area. And uh, is there something else you want to share, Sylvia? Thank you. You've done a great job. It it, it jogged a lot of memories on men, things that we've done. I guess the first it made me think about the first time that we used the tradition, or that I used the tradition was um, in, my, in, in another fellowship, and we, it was a smoking meeting at the time. <laughs> Back in the old days, we had smoking meetings, and so we'd have smoking people on one side of the room and the non-smoking on the other, and, you know, that doesn't work. The smoke, the people that are smoking, goes straight to the people who aren't smoking. If you sit in a room where they're doing it, you... I, that's the reason I took up smoking was so that I could blow the smoke away instead of breathing it in. And I'd do that in a meeting. And uh, so anyway, we were arguing over whether to to do a smoking meeting. And it finally occurred to me that our common welfare should come first. And there were some people in there with some serious health, health issues as a result of the smoking and so I thought, you know, this is this is one of the places that I need to think about using that. And so we did, and we voted smoking out. became a non-smoking meeting. But it was not a happy uh, thing for anybody to do. And our 15-minute break that we had was always 
a smoking break for people. <laughs> they were able to go out and do their smoking. And uh, we still had the break in the middle, but not the smoking. And I keep saying, well, you know, you interrupt the meeting to do this break. We've, it would be better to continue the meeting all the way through. But at this point in time, we still have the interruption of the meeting in the middle for the 15 minutes of of taking up the money and doing whatever. But uh, I, I keep bringing up the fact that we should do it the other way. And nobody listens to me. Some, well, most of the time people do listen to me. But sometimes they 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 want to not listen to me, and I argue a lot. But anyway, the, the traditions... Um, have become very important when we do service. And that's where, that's the second place where I started learning to do the traditions was when I started doing service on the international level. And we had to, uh, we needed to use the traditions in that area. So any of you who are thinking about doing some um, service work, study the traditions because that's real important in uh, knowing how to deal with the group the steps help us know how to live with people, but the traditions teach us how to deal with a, a group rather than it being my opinion and your opinion. It helps to bring us together in one opinion. Um, it's, um, okay, so if you answer that question. How can a home group become more familiar with the traditions and practice? Well, what we've been doing in our home group is that we've been having a tradition meeting once a month. We just start. We have one person in our in our area that is real tradition oriented. Her name is Tricia. <laughs> she she uh, was served on the board of trustees for a while for us here, and um, she t- strongly believes in these traditions and works them really hard. And so. She insisted that we start doing a tradition meeting, and the group finally agreed to do that. So once a month, we're doing a tradition meeting, and um, sometimes they like it, and sometimes they don't. We've also been talking about trying to put together a um, um, weekend or a one-day seminar and doing nothing but traditions, but we haven't done that yet. We just keep talking about it. I don't know how long we'll talk about it before we do it, but it may be 10 years. <laughs> but hopefully it won't be that long, because I, um, I know that this is an area that is um, got a lot of recovery for us if we do it. And it's just like the steps. They have recovery for us if we do it. Traditions have recovery for us if we do it. And um, so I hope that we end up doing that before too long. But uh, I'm Michael Sexolic. I want to address this. Our my my home group was Tuesday night, and we have between 25 and 40 come every Tuesday night. And last summer we had a discussion, a group conscious meeting on should we take the second meeting every month and study the tradition of the month. And we had five or six, seven, eight, nine people that didn't want to do it. We voted it in, and we took another group conscience a couple weeks ago, and whether we should continue it or not. I wasn't at the meeting, but it was voted down not to study the traditions in the meeting format. Because the first, one of the main reasons is the first Tuesday of every month, we, the leader, shares the experience, their experience training on step of the month. And they felt that that was all we needed to do. We needed to have a topic. And it was voted down. Now, that's not to say the person's leading the meeting cannot talk about it. But uh, but that's how the group conscious works, is you either do it or you don't. And you need to have a good discussion on it, and a healthy discussion. And if you look at the group conscience, a group conference inventory, but what Roy came in the book, and uh, can you think of the name of the book now? Recovery continues, I believe. Or, uh, he recommends, and I've talked to several people. They recommend you have your group conscious meetings, unless it's for to do the emotional inventory of your group. You do it not during the meeting, because there's people that come there just for the meeting, not for all the business stuff. 
but we do both my meetings that I go to on a regular basis, we do it during the meeting. Another question here. Have your groups made criteria for who can vote in taking their group conscience? Uh, good question for me because this in my group on Saturday morning, we have between oh, 50 and 65 that come to that meeting every week. And uh, we have people that have no sobriety to uh, almost 15 years. And this was one of the topics we had last month come up. Should we have somebody have 30 or 60 days sobriety before they can vote in these group conscience meetings? And fortunately, it was voted down. We just allow anybody that comes to the meeting to vote in that meeting. We fell at the meeting, and there was some old-timers in there that were pretty upset about it. And uh, we've had this come up about every two or three years about it. There is wisdom in that, but there is also wisdom that you should not have people vote that don't have any sobriety or new in the program. Like I took a newcomer at his very first SA meeting. I took him to a business meeting. <laughs> when I when I visit with him after, he says, "You want me to come to these meetings? <laughs> Are they all like this?" I said, "No." I said, "That's part of the process." And once I explained to him what the process was, he was happy with it. Uh, so it's really, again, it's a group. My, rec- my suggestion is that uh, you don't have your business meetings during, the, during your meeting time. And it's up to your group. You can discuss it. It's a good discussion to have. It. Some groups, I know there's another group in San Diego that you have to have 60 days sobriety to even vote or even discuss anything that's on the, on the, on the agenda. How do you know whether they got 60 or 90, 60 or no, 60 or more days sobriety? You trust that they're telling you the truth. Bottom line, we have to have faith in them. Does a group have the freedom to add or edit the meeting format in the white book? Well, we have taken the white book format and we have our own for each meeting. We, we, we've changed some of it. We add some to it. And recently, uh, a friend of mine in Utah asked me to send him a, f- a meeting format because they liked, he was at our meeting and he liked it and he wanted to change his. And he wanted to bring it up in a business meeting. Uh, there again is a group conscious meeting. Uh, because some meetings, the reading format is half a page, some is four or five pages. Depends on the size of the print. But there again, the group inventory in a group conscience. So, and the tradition for says you have the freedom to add or edit the meeting format in the white book. Because that, that meeting format is a suggestion. And it's a great suggestion. It's a great way to get started. If you're starting a new meeting, it's one that's great to use. Do you have anything you want to say on that, Sylvia? Or do you want me to read the next question? Uh, well, he, he's fortunate. He's got a lot of people in his groups. My group has about eight people with four people who are sober. So uh, as a result of that, um, we have voted to allow them to participate in um, voting things that have to do with our group. Nothing, no other group, you know, like what kind of meeting format do they want, what kind of, what do they want to study, that kind of stuff. We've also been having to use them as uh, some of our um, basic officers like to take care of the literature and things like that because, I mean, they aren't um, serving in any... I mean, like this one guy's been coming for 15 years, but he has the other sobriety definition. When he comes in the meeting, he follows ours in the meeting format and everything, but we know what he's living outside. And so uh, I get... Sometimes I get real disgusted, and I think I want to change it, and I was listening to him on that. I I just have to learn to accept that that's the way it is in that group. Um, I keep thinking that maybe one of these days he'll decide he wants to have more serenity, and he'll do the the deal, because I, I think he's missing out on serenity when he doesn't follow it all the way through. But um, it's it's hard to 
run a meet, have a meeting where you only have four sober people and have officers and group conscience and all of that kind of stuff without including some of their opinions. Um, so now our inner group's a little bigger. It has about six people. <laughs> uh, Sylvia, I'm going to read this question. I want you to answer it. Uh, in regards to tradition 4 and 10, can S- SA groups work with with or cooperate with other groups without, without violating traditions? Well, that's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. You get the answer. You get first Well, we don't, we don't work with other S groups. There are um, people in our groups that are in other S groups, and then... then but then for some reason or another, they keep coming to ours, you know, and that's what I was talking about on the ones who have the <clears throat> sobriety definition of another group. But they come and they use our literature and they they want to come and they and they study, you know, they they don't they don't bring up their other group in the meeting. So we don't have that conflict of bringing it up. It's just that everybody knows what's going on behind the scenes. So that's the only way that we work with other S groups. I don't even know anybody in the other S groups except the ones who come to our fellowship, and we don't talk about it. I mean, we talk about our our um, our program, and and we don't talk about the other programs. I believe that there's probably recoveries for some people in the other programs, but the recovery's not for me. And I heard another uh, the last. Group that was up here was talking about the same thing that they um, that they believed that this was the one for them and this was the sobriety that they needed and they were glad that they were in this one and that's the way I feel so I don't need to to have anything else and we we really don't have anything meetings with them or anything. Uh, I want to just share my. Uh, an experience I've had with this. Uh, <clears throat> I had the fortune, we as an intergroup decided that we were going to attend a inner essay or a sex addict conference with other S groups in San Diego. And I, I volunteered to not represent SA, but to go and report back what went on there. And it was a great, great meeting for me because it showed me that there's other groups out there that are trying to find a solution for members, and it worked for them. And uh, and I'm grateful for that. The spirit there was was very, very good, but they wanted me to give my opinion and speak for SA. And I said, I don't speak for SA, but I am here to share my experience, strength, and hope of what it's done for me, from the sobriety definition on to lust recovery. And the bottom line for me was I firmly believe in lust recovery because that for me is where it's at. And they thank me, and I've had a very good relationship with a couple of the guys since. And the last part of this question, are there any situations when a local essay group can be sanctioned, that is, removed from the essay meeting list? Uh, yes, there is. Um, in Utah, they took some those groups that were religiously formatted, they took them off their meeting list of SA, uh, of their uh, meeting format, or meeting list. In California, we've recently had one group that was, uh, the inner group chose to take this group off because they did not want to support the sobriety definition. And they were, they were going to say, well, we won't do it anymore. But then they voted to discontinue using the sobriety edition, so they took them off the, the meeting list. But And then another question here, this is a good one, is it appropriate to have more than one home group? Uh, my experience is I only have one home group, but yet uh, I could I could claim two. And the only time I use a home group is when I register for a convention. Uh, as, what about participating in group conscience meeting if it's not your home group? Absolutely participate if it's a regular meeting you go to. And what what you what I would suggest we don't do is when a meeting when a group is having a business meeting, you don't show up to push your agenda. 
or to push the agenda there, unless you're a regular meeting, member going there. Now, I'm not saying a member of the fellowship, but rather you attend that meeting because it's a group conscience. It's like if we have a meeting and we're meeting like this as a group on a regular basis, and somebody from the, another meeting comes and wants to put an agenda item on there for a sole purpose of debating and having it discussed, don't allow it. I suggest that don't allow it because they're not part of that. You're not part of your group. That's one of the great things about tradition where each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or sexaholics anonymous. Uh, unless it affects your inner group and the, and the fellowship as a whole. Uh, I'll respond on this next one, then you can. Uh, hope that answers your question. It's not, not part of ours here. Uh, as more and more states legalize gay marriage, does that change your opinion as to whether or our sobriety definition violates Tradition 10? Uh, for me, no, it doesn't violate Tradition 10 because that's an outside issue. Whatever the government, politicians, it talks about it in Tradition. Uh, that's an outside issue for Sexaholics Anonymous. Second part, do you have any experience, uh, experience thoughts on how operation of SA Clubhouse might be guided by Tradition 4? I'm not sure I understand that. Give me some explanation. Would you come here... I'm let you, I want you to I want you to use the microphone. In Nashville, we are currently um, exploring, going through a process of exploring um, having a clubhouse um, that would allow multiple meetings to meet within one space and running into the traditions of how do we communicate, how do we go through that process and respect. Tradition for. Um, for example, is it appropriate to announce efforts that we're making um, with regards to the clubhouse in a meeting, specific meeting, um, or is that an outside issue? Um, is that an outside group? Who owns the clubhouse? The clubhouse will be owned by an outside entity that's a not-for-profit entity. My experience with uh, having a, a meeting facility, we meet at a serenity shop in San Diego. And we've been meeting in the serenity shop for longer than I've been in the fellowship. And they have a room designated. They sell products and everything else like that, but they have a room where they have meetings. And during one day, there's probably anywhere from four to ten meetings. And for me, we do not announce any other meetings. But we have a bulletin board in there. that are, They're all posted there. A-A, N-A, O-A. I mean, you name it. It's got an A and they probably got a meeting there. And we have found that uh, we don't announce other meetings and where they are. But if you want to know about them, uh, they're on the bulletin board. And we've had people bring it up in the meeting, and we talk to them at the break or afterwards. Uh, but posting it on the wall, and in Roy Kay's uh, home group meeting up in Thousand Oaks, they meet in an AA room that's been designated for AA. And they have a bulletin board, and they have all these things of all the different meetings and activities, parties, retreats, marathons, and everything else like that. They have them posted on the wall. And you can't miss them because they're right in the entrance as you walk in, of course. How do you get their excitement? So as far as that goes, um, we don't mention other meetings unless they're SA, uh, not sanctioned, but as SA uh, what do I want to say for a better word? Uh, unless there is specifically an essay meeting or a function. Uh, 
as more and more, okay, okay, I already answered that, didn't I? Opinion as a, whether or sobriety definition violates tradition ten. There's a there's a statement in the grapevine. It's in there every month, uh, and I can't remember it. But some of you probably can quote it for me. It's right in the beginning about uh, I lost my train of thought about uh, we are responsible. We're, we're responsible, and we need to welcome everyone that wants wants to find recovery. SA is very responsible, and we want anybody to come in that wants to sobriety. And one of the things, my feelings with that, and I've been in many discussions with it from the position I had as a general delegate chair, uh, spiritually, and for me, anything that, that is a discussion that we're not meeting the needs of uh, the same-sex attracted uh, people uh, is, for me, we are, we have a solution for them. We have a solution for them. They want it, they can enjoy it and be part of it. Uh, one of my one of my friends in the in San Diego or in I have several friends that think and feel that SA is for them. And uh, in fact, and I'm going to put this on tape, my wife are involved in a couples group. And over the years, we have been sponsors of same-sex attracted couples. And at first, my wife and I were shocked that they asked us, number one. And number two, I didn't want to do it. Number three, my wife says, well, I thought you wanted to carry the message to help a couple. And so what we did, we sponsored this couple. And I will tell you, that was a gift. They went from living in separate rooms to be separated. And they were One was out the door. They were going to sell their house in Austin, La Vista, both of them. That's how bad it was. They barely said hello to them, to each other, to work in the steps with them. To where they decided to, they made a commitment that there were not, there was no out, there was no exits, no out clause for them right now. They didn't want to be out of it, and and I'll tell you, it worked for them. A twelve-step program. Now, neither one of them wanted to come to SA because we talked about it. Because one was qualified for SA and the other one qualified for Essanon. But we have a solution if you want it. And it, the bottom line is, I need to look for less recovery. Without it, because that's the driving force behind my whole life, is lust. Uh, I want to be right. I want to be right. I want to be right. And you better do it my way. And the program has taught me I need to do the next right thing. And when I can look at God and look at this program and do the next right thing, I can insist on enjoying life. I think it's almost time to... I think that's addressed all the questions. Did you want to comment on this, Sylvia? Say one last word. Well, we've not given any thought to any SA clubhouse at this point. We're, we're, much, we're much too small to have a. Uh, I, I've thought about it on many occasions. I thought, you know, it would be nice if, say, two of the organizations would get together and, and uh, like OA and SA, have a clubhouse because the AA will not allow us to meet in their clubhouse at all. It's not even acceptable. So um, I know that here in Nashville that people can meet in, uh, the, the groups can meet in the AA clubhouses, but um, uh, here in Nashville, I mean, in my hometown, there's no such place for us to meet except churches or somebody's office or something like that, and we meet, mostly meet in churches. And... Um, but I think it'd be great to have a, tr- a clubhouse. And, of course, the way it's set up in the AA in our area 
is that uh, it is a, bought by a separate entity, and then uh, it's leased to the groups, and they pay for it. So, you mentioned the clubhouse. We have a we have a lot of clubs in San Diego, and uh, they're specifically run basically run by uh, uh, organizations. Some of them are AA bought and. And they run them. And we have Sectionalic Anonymous. We have two meetings in their building. One in each one, one in North County and one in San Diego. And I tell you, and they put our our announcements on their bulletin boards. They allow us to put theirs. And if we were, and anytime we want to put an announcement on the bulletin board, all we got to do is put it on the board. The only thing they ask is want the, Updated every six months, and we put our conventions on the whiteboard. We put our retreats on the, uh, not the whiteboard, but the bulletin board. Uh, but it, one of the things of violating uh, each group is autonomous. I really firmly believe in that. Like one of the things came down from uh, our region that we wanted to suggest. Uh, a meeting format for some groups. Uh, and we chose not to recommend that because each group is autonomous. And if they need our suggestions, we will, we will give them the suggestions. And that's one of the things that, uh, as long as it doesn't violate Tradition 10, has no opinion on outside issues, hence the name of I'd never be drawn into public controversy. Uh, as I, I think I've mentioned before that I'm involved in a, a PIT program in San Diego, have been for about five or six years. And this is run by the city attorney's office. And uh, I give a report, we give a report, every intergroup about what goes on there, the success and that and what we're doing. And, and uh We'll mention it every once in a while in the meeting to try and get people, because we finally got one that speaks Spanish to go with us. Uh, but it's that's an outside issue. But we talk about it, and it, but we don't vote whether we're going to support it or anymore or not. We just, in a group, we just feel that it's worth carrying them. We feel it's part of carrying the message is to pay for the pamphlets and uh, to to take it into the, these, this, this program. And what's, what's nice about it, and I would encourage any, any, any of your home groups uh, to work with the CFC and also look at, look at what the, the courts, look at what the uh, uh, attorney's officer, they're doing and prosecuting these, these men that are picked up or women are picked up for prostitution. Because I found in this program, we carry a solution. And the lawyer that's in charge, I cannot tell you how many times she's told us, and some of the other panel members, and the police officers and the detectives have told us, we, they bring the problem and all of what happens, the effects of the problem, but we bring a solution. And... Talking about outside issues, we pass out a card with all the S programs in San Diego. We pass out that card and give it to all the guys that go there with this pamphlet. Uh, and and I'll tell you, a program like that, we've had one or two people come in, but yet we we hope that they will understand. They and then we get we've gone from not being able to talk to them even share, but now we talk to them and we treat them as newcomers during the break. We go outside and we go up and talk to them. We don't wait for them to come to us. And, of course, they're in denial. Most of them, they say, oh, I, you know, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm not guilty. They just picked up the wrong guy and I had no money on me. I didn't do this, didn't do that, didn't do that. And, and I, I recognize that because had I been in one of those meetings, I'd have done the same thing. Get there and get it off my record. What a great deal. Three hours of my time to not have it on my record? What a, what a 
What a reward that would be. And But anyway, it's... These are, the traditions are very good for all of them, are very good for me as an individual and and also me as a member of a home group and, an, uh, and uh, all the meetings I go to. Uh, we do have a, a few minutes left. Does anybody have any questions that they didn't write down would like us to answer or you'd like to ask? Don't be afraid. You're, in, you're among friends. If you don't think you are, then we'll pick on you. Come here. That was Lee. Just mentioned what's a healthy discussion. You know, that is that they are the basics of a group to have to have this uh, conscious con. Um, um, Ah, forget. I'm from Germany, you know. Yeah, the group conscious, and also to 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 be to be really able to have healthy decisions to make healthy decisions and to to run a group. You you, you need yeah how to deal with uh, having a healthy discussion, and that is. I mean, can you tell me? I think. What you're saying uh, is, and uh, let me ask you this, are you saying, how, how do we know what a healthy discussion is? Well, I'm not too sure. Do we know? <laughs> um, I think mostly the healthy discussion is determined if we're following the traditions. We can figure out if it's a healthy di- uh, discussion. We use the steps or the tradition, and we can evaluate it and test it. And if if they, um, I think that's the only way to, to be able to figure out if it's a healthy discussion. In one of our our topics this last business meeting, we had the topic of one of the persons requested that no member wear shorts or tight shirts at our meeting. And when I first came in the program. We had a, re- a reading in our meeting format that inappropriate dress is not wearing shorts. And we, well, it was voted out about six or seven years ago. And there was a person that felt violated and it triggered them. So they put it, and they come and ask me about it. And I said, well, write it up and put it on the topic for a group conscience meeting. So we did. And I'll tell you, that was really not a group conscience meeting because it became a debate. Well, a person should know they shouldn't wear shorts to a meeting. The person said, well, how do I know I'm not supposed to wear them? I don't know if it violates or triggers somebody. And and so we tabled it till our next business meeting because we couldn't come to a consensus on even what... Uh, the vote with the motion is supposed to be, and and so it'll be brought up in March. Rather, we should have it in our reading format. Now, there's other meetings in San Diego that have it in their meeting format. There's others that don't. But see, I know from personal experience of being triggered by people that have had shorts on, and other people in the meeting that have. It bothers them when they see somebody in shorts. It's one of their uh, acting out forms. They would they would go for those kind of people. But now, I because it was voted not to put that in the reading many years ago. I support it, and so when I see somebody with shorts on, I uh, after the meeting I will suggest that maybe they would maybe wear shorts in this meeting. I explain to them why. I said, but it's your choice. Some do, some don't. But if you have anything, a concern, like the meeting format, you want to change the meeting format. Like we have one meeting, we read five things, five readings out of the white book. We spend 20 minutes just reading. For 40 people, there's very few people get a time to chair. And so 
it was changed to where we'd only read, it would be the leader's prerogative to read one or two. And that's what a group conscious meeting can do. If uh, we wanted to go to an hour and a half meeting on all our morning meetings, each meeting had to discuss it and decide. And whether you have two or three or four in your meeting, it's a group conscious. And, and that's part of the program, part of the process of recovery. So I would suggest you you do it, bring it at the table. And and read the part about a group conscious meeting in the in the book. I hate to say this, but in my group, we have it in our reading, but it doesn't make any difference. They still come in their shorts. So uh, most of the time it's okay, but there are some times when men do not know how to sit appropriately in shorts. And it's very uh, uncomfortable. And um, I'm one who makes an issue of it when it does. I sit there like this <laughs> till somebody finally gets the message but I've often threatened to take a blanket to the meeting and, and use that too but uh, I haven't done that but that's what happens in our area they just ignore it you know it's like it's not there and what do you do you can ask them to leave when you've only got four or five or eight people in a room do you just say get up and go you, you're not dressed appropriately so I don't know you know that's Kind of a blatant dis, disregard for our unity. I want to read something here that means a lot to me and maybe it does to you too. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no surrender until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I can accept my sexaholism, I cannot stay sober. Until I can accept life completely on life terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. Uh, in closing, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for having the courage to write some difficult questions and some concerns. And remember, just let God guide you and direct you in all that you do. And remember and listen for the answer. Because I give my right up to be right all the time. And it's good to be wrong sometimes and to feel that I'm wrong and know that there's no resentment or anger. And uh, sometimes when... In a meeting, some people share and I don't like it. I'm listening to the message, not the messenger. There's a message that somebody, when they're sharing, there's a message that they're sharing that I need help with, that I need, that God wants me to hear. And once I started doing that, the meetings become more spiritual to me. The conventions become more spiritual to me. Going to church means more more to me now because I'm listening to the message and when the people when the people speak at the podium in these conventions I'm listening to the message and not who's delivering or how they delivered or their facial expressions their body language or whether I can understand them or not there's a message there and that's what essay has given me and God has given me and one last thing that Work your groups and work up through the inner group. And you have any concerns of what you feel needs to be discussed in your home groups or your groups, bring it up. Don't be afraid to. It's better to bring it up and not, and not, than not bring it up because it'll, it'll give you that progressive victory over being isolated. Uh, I know God has given me more gifts. And working as a delegate and working in service structure, God has given me more more blessings each and every day. Uh, I am so grateful for this fellowship. I mean, being here, just rubbing shoulders with people in both fellowships. 
and see the essay shine, the essanon shine in their eyes and their facial expressions. Because there is a solution there. Uh, why don't we, uh, do you have anything you want to say in closing? Then we'll close with a, a prayer. Let's close. I think he's okay. wanting us to. He keeps speaking in. Okay, why don't we uh, stand and close with the third step prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.